Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The Field of 68 Media Network presents Red is the New Orange, a Syracuse basketball podcast. Vincent intercepts a pass, breakaway for the freshman guard, he flies and slams! Aerial assault from Judah Mintz! Looking to go back door to Bell, they get it to a mere corner three, knocks it down! Chris Bell, the sharpshooter! Bringing you everything you need to know out of the 315. Up top, Williams searches ahead, up with the right hand and in! A pretty up and under move from Benny Williams to beat his man. Over to Taylor. He skips into the lane, puts up a floater, and drops in. Let's get it started with your host, Ian Unsworth and Johnny Gadamowitz. Syracuse sweeps the season series against Pittsburgh. The Orange go down to the Steel City and handle the Panthers 69-58. Also, in other news, Syracuse has a quad one win now. It might not stand, but the Orange do at least have one. And today we'll preview Miami coming around the corner this weekend with Zach Letson, one of our best buddies from Syracuse, graduated this past May and now lives down in South Florida. Ian Unsworth, Johnny Gadamowitz with you as always. Drop us a follow F68 underscore Qs on Twitter for all of our podcast live streams and any other thoughts that come along the way. You can follow Johnny on Twitter, Johnny G Wits, myself, Ian on Twitter, I Unzi underscore. And remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Johnny, let's bring it back to Tuesday, seven o'clock tip, no more 9 p.m.s, right? We don't need to stay up late anymore. We've had but enough after, of those. Yeah. After going down a little early, Syracuse outscores Pitt in the final 10 minutes of the first half, 23 to six, an absolute shellacking. Chris Bell is another pretty good game. Judah Mintz only two of 12 from the field, but puts up 14 points. And J.J. Starling has probably his best game of the season. Ian, great to be with you as always. You got to enjoy and you got to savor these season sweeps when they happen. You don't see a ton of them. And here we stand. It's only mid-January. Syracuse has already seen Pitt twice, but they've handled them both times and handled them rather easily. This was a game where the Orange really flexed their muscles. And no two ways about it here, Ian. This was a game where the Orange kind of really needed to flex their muscles coming off that embarrassment against North Carolina. When you have all the conversations developing of, uh Oh, how is this team going to fare against cream of the crop type opponents? Listen, Pitt Pitt's no world beaters, but to go out there, a team that you just saw a couple weeks ago that has plenty of film on you that knows your tendencies 
and to handle them in the way that Red Autry's crew did, it is very encouraging, to say the least. This is Syracuse's first ACC road win. Yeah, conference play has only really been going for two weeks now. But Syracuse has already played really tough road games. Virginia, Duke, North Carolina. It's easy to get down early and that thought starts creeping in your head. Oh, here we go again. You know, the, the crowd's chirping us, especially if you're Judah Mintz and the pit pans are booing you every single time you touch the basketball. I got a kick of uh, the broadcaster not knowing why. Judah yeah, Mitch we got to get on booed. the worldwide leader in sports a little bit. Somebody's yeah. got to get in Dave OB's ear and, and let them know that a little earlier. Because it was all over the Twitter sphere the day before. You can see him in that mustard yellow jersey right. um, smiling. And yeah, if you, I mean, during our, I think, Johnny, I had a WAER cast the day Judah Mintz committed. I think that's how I remember it. Um, to Syracuse or? To, to Syracuse. Okay, like, gotcha. right. 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 I think it was it might have been after like the usual signing day, but I remember that day very, very firmly. And I mean, he played well. He didn't show any signs of being afflicted by the fans. I think Syracuse as a whole did a really good job of keeping its composure in this game and not getting thwarted by the road environment or the fans or anything like that. And defensively, you have to give Syracuse flowers here. Fifty eight points against a conference opponent. Syracuse hasn't held a team under 60 besides BC this entire season. So you really have to love the defensive effort. And I'm not counting Chaminade, by the way. Not Chaminade yeah, does not count. I was going to say, minus that Chaminade game. But the reason I think they were able to hold the Panthers below 60, Ian, was because yet again, very similarly to Syracuse Pitt installment number one, Blake Hinson was nowhere to be found in this basketball game. And if you're a Pitt fan, that's concerning, right? This is the guy that is supposed to be the showstopper offensively for you. And Hinson did not have a good game whatsoever. Four of 17 from the field, only two of 11 from range. He never lost his shooter mentality, but the results never poured in. Only finished with 12 points, which particularly in, you know, a rivalry game, crowd is amped up, right? Tempers are flaring. We saw that little scuffle at half court that Benny Williams and Quadir Copeland found themselves involved. Copeland got poked in the eye. Yeah, Yeah. he got poked in the face. That's why he was hot. They didn't get that on the broadcast either, even though they had the angle from above. Right. But to find a way to persevere and to shut down the opposing team's best player – obviously is going to do you a lot of favors. And then on the flip side, your best player, who you just alluded to in Judah, Ian, it was a lot more than just scoring. This was a fill the stat sheet kind of performance for him. He had nine rebounds. And let's not forget, this is the point guard of the basketball team. Finished with nine rebounds, five assists, two steals. He was really productive, even though he was only three of 13, a percentage I'm sure both you and I both would love to see a lot higher. Uh, but finding ways to mitigate that. And then I will say this too. You mentioned JJ earlier. JJ's mid-range game is a thing of beauty to watch. Like I know he's not the best sharpshooter in the world and maybe leaves a little bit to be desired beyond the arc. But when he gets cooking in that, you know, 14 to 16, 17 foot range, he knocks him down. And I think Pitt 
wasn't really doing their due diligence in locking him up. He was able to sort of, between off-ball movement or even off the dribble, just kind of create the separation he needed to get to his spots. And it was the best performance of the season for him, as you said earlier. Yeah, smooth, comfortable. Uh, Coach Autry talked about him just getting adjusted post-game and having that, you know, very 30,000-foot view quotes about J.J. fitting in with the team. And he didn't mention the shoulder injury, but again, getting past the the mental block of the injury and all that sort of stuff. Some guys are just more comfortable off the dribble, whether it be shooting the, the pull-up or finding ways to create space. And even though J.J. can hit some spot-up threes, I agree with you, Johnny. His best shot and his his most comfortable shot seems to be that mid-range stop and pop, maybe a little fade in there, just because he's not thinking about it, right? You don't have time to, oh, catch and look at the rim with nobody on you. You got a defender in your face. You got to go right away. So I think that that really helps. And again, you make your first shot if you're JJ and it seems to snowball, the rest seem to go in. I want to pose something to you here, Johnny. Hit me. What do you got? I think Pitt's just not that good, if we're being completely honest. I I don't think the Panthers are all that. Freshman point guard Carlton Carrington has a terrible game, probably his worst game of the season. He goes 0 of 7 from 3, only 2 assists, no points. Jalen Love, freshman who, I guess, bursts onto the scene. I mean, he looked good in the first game, but freshman who just bursts onto the scene has 20, and most of those are after Syracuse has the game and, you know, a pretty confident hold eight, about eight point advantage, stretched it out to double digits and loves kind of getting his buckets on, you know, whoever is, whoever's out there at the moment, Kyle cuff on Quittier a little bit, but the things we talked about Diaz Graham shooting more threes, Hinson getting in there. None of it really happened. Didn't happen. Didn't happen at all. I I mean, I I think, I think this is the one thing. Sorry to cut you off there, Ian. I no, think you're good. If there's one thing to know about Pitt, it's the fact that they have played six ACC games. They have won one of them, and the one team that they have beaten is the Louisville Cardinals. Now, in order to paint the full picture there, the teams that they have lost to include, obviously, Syracuse, Duke, North Carolina, and Clemson. All pretty quality ACC teams, I think you would agree with me there. So time will tell where the Panthers stand in the grand scheme of things. But you're right. I think even coming into this contest, people were, and and maybe us included, we're just as guilty, kind of hyping up the Panthers a, a little more than we probably should have. People around the country are down on the ACC this year. It seems like we have this conversation every year, uh, but there are only two ranked teams in the AP top 25, Duke and Carolina, both in the top 10 Clemson's fallen out. Um, I mean, who else could really be in contention? Miami, Miami is not who we'll talk about real them. soon has really dropped off the face of the earth. Other than that, like North Carolina States, nowhere close. If we're looking at the Ken Palm rankings, Clemson is at 37th. And Wake Forest, who is pretty good, all sneaky, things considered. Sneaky, sneaky good yeah. with a couple of really dynamic transfers is 39th. But other than that, no one is close to the top top 50 in Ken Palm. Mentioned Syracuse's quad one win. That's now Oregon. 
because Oregon is 50th in the net rankings and you have to be 50th on a neutral floor to be or your opponent has to be 50 or higher on the neutral floor. That's Syracuse's quad one win. But in terms of building a resume, man, the ACC is is not looking great, which means Syracuse is going to have to win on the road. That's that's the the result of this cause. You have to win on the road and you don't really have a lot of opportunities right now to do so. Six year next eight games are at the dome. Got to win them. And when, yeah, well, that's exactly where I was going. When you have to win on the road, you certainly better make darn well sure you're winning at home. So Syracuse, at least the opportunity over the course of these next few weeks to sort of set the stage for some of those bigger road trips as far as taking care of business at home. Um, One more thing before we close the book here on this pit game, Ian. Got to give credit where credit is due. Hey, three straight games and double figures now for Chris Bell. 10 points, I I think all of them came in the first half. So as per usual with Chris Bell, you can't have the good without the bad. Love to see it for a full 40. But at the same token, finding ways to just, you know, give us a little bit more of of that consistent performance that it feels like we've been asking for really for a year and change now. Taylor made two threes as well. That's all you need from those guys is just a couple of made three-pointers to stretch out the defense. And it really, really works wonders for the aggressive rim attackers in SU's offense. We'll talk to Zach Letson after a quick word from Rob Doster and BetMGM. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 each and every week of the college basketball season. We have a special offer that will be available starting on Tuesday, January 9th, and running through Monday, February 12th, the morning after Super Bowl 58. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, in honor of the big game, you can use the bonus code FIELD158 and you'll get $158 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD158. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game you'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure that you use that bonus code FIELD158 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create separate accounts in each state. It's easy, it's simple, it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the heart of the college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops, odd boosts, and my favorite, a nice juicy parlay boost. So download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Field. One five eight. Let's talk a little Miami here on Red is the New Orange. Ian Unsworth, Johnny Gadamwitz. We've got the man who knows the Canes, Zach Letson, SU class of 2023, graduated with us last May. He's now back in South Florida. He's broadcast for FIU, uh, Nova Southeastern, D2 school, uh, near and dear to my heart, Carlos Ray, my guy, now in the Diamondbacks organization. But he was with the Gary South Shore Railcats last summer and Zach, you even spent a remote semester at SU calling games for the Hurricanes. So you're very tapped in. You can follow Zach on Twitter, 
Zach Letson, Z-A-C-H is how you spell the first name, Letson underscore, and Zach. Let's get started here. You were at the Miami-Florida State game last night. Break it down for us. Well, it was a uh, not very well played game on Miami's part. And credit to Florida State. They are, uh, we're not previewing Florida State today, so I'll, I'll keep the Florida State part a little more short. But I, I was impressed with the way that they came out and played. They're 5-1 and one in the ACC now, which a lot of people might not look at Florida State as that team, as a team that was really pretty terrible last year. They came out, they played a better game. Miami is really reliant on the three-point ball, and when that's not falling, things uh, can be a long uh, long night at the office, and they started two for 16 from three, so that uh, that's going to slow things down. Poor night defensively. Florida State was getting everything that they wanted on the inside. Backdoor feeds were more than I could count on my two hands. I mean, it was getting sickening to a point where – they were really just exploiting a Hurricanes team that one is not very deep at all, but two really, really lack size. And so that makes this matchup with the SU pretty interesting as two teams that from like a stat profile standpoint and from a outlook standpoint, record standpoint, really, really similar. So it should be a good game coming up on Saturday. Zach, obviously the Canes to the final four a year ago, new look Canes squad this year. I think a lot of people, you know, when they think of the Miami of last year, the Jordan Millers, the Isaiah Wongs are going to come to mind. Those guys out, Norchad, O'Meara, Wuga Poplar still around doing their thing. What is sort of the identity of this year's squad relative to last year's group that obviously went on that improbable final four run? Well, I think you kind of hit it on the head in terms of they're really lacking experience right now. And so I still think that identity is a little bit TBD. They're fine to get out. There's only six guys in this rotation right now that are playing on a regular basis. Not having Wong or Miller, who are obviously both with NBA teams right now, really just has been a hit, I think. And that is what you have noticed when Miami has played good teams. They've played Kentucky. They've played Colorado last night against FSU, who's more of an up-and-coming good story this year. But they look outmatched, and they look like they've had to play a little more conservative, especially on defense, because if someone like Norchad O'Meara, who's really their only big playing real minutes right now, gets in foul trouble, things can go by the wayside. In terms of identity, I mean, there's a couple of guys to watch. I think, I mean, you mentioned Wuga Poplar. I think he's one of the more underrated players in the he's league. An, he's a, he is, I think... Sorry to interrupt, Zach, but I think Wuga is probably the guy with the best NBA future on this team, either him or Cleveland. I think Wuga is more of a consistent scorer. Wuga is definitely more consistent than Cleveland. Cleveland's been great, and he's one of two main additions to this team this year. Uh, But you can't rely on the guy. I mean, last night's a good example. Two points against FSU, five points against Kentucky. Yeah, I wanted him to have that revenge game. They had a little uh, a little ceremony before the game, and he's in a 1,000-point score in his career, which is all great and all. But two points last night wasn't really his night. Uh, so what's different about this year's team, one being Matthew Cleveland, the Florida State transfer, they've also got this 6'8 guard from Switzerland who's kind of flown really under the radar. His name's Keyshawn George, and he can be a real nice threat from the outside. He'll probably come off the bench. 21 points against Wake. Uh, You don't really know what you're getting with a freshman, but he's part of this new UM team that's trying to, you know, prove their own thing this year. 
Uh, you talk about Wong being gone, Jordan Miller being gone. There's a lot uh, that has to be fixed. And there's certainly, you know, some of those guys are still back. So it's not a completely new team. Norchad's here and Nigel Pack is still doing his thing. Uh, but there still is a lot that I think they have to prove uh, to UM fans, to themselves, a lot that they have to figure out. Let's talk matchups here for a second, Zach. Miami plays fast. Uh, average possession length is top 30 in the country. We know Syracuse wants to run. If this game turns into a track meet, who do you think has the advantage? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. That is a good question. You know, I think that it's almost inevitable that that's kind of the way that this game is going to play out. I might give a slight advantage to Miami because of their ability to shoot from three and their ability to find open shots, whether that's on the fast break or not. But being that they're the number one team in the ACC in three-point percentage, and you still have guys like Nigel Pack, who if you give him a little open space, if you have a two-on-one, a three-on-one, and he's open for a three, he's got that kind of, I guess, Joe Girard level of confidence that he'll just pull up from anywhere on the court and try to hit it. So I might give UM a slight edge in that department, I do think that this is a hard game looking at uh, how both teams might want to play. it. I would be surprised if it's lopsided in either direction. You look at this Miami squad from an offensive standpoint, Zach, and, and they've got options. I mean, four guys averaging at least 14 a game. Um, you know, we've sort of talked about at length here, you know, Syracuse just played Pitt where – you know, the MO is shut down a guy like Blake Hinson as they did not once but twice, and you have success. With Miami, though, a very different story. Of those four, Omir, Cleveland, Wuga, and Nigel Pack, who's the guy that if Syracuse neutralizes and finds a way to minimize their offensive impact, it gives the Orange the best chance at walking out of the Dome with a win come Saturday? There are four players in double figures, like you said, Johnny, but I think the runaway answer has to be Norchad O'Meara because he is the identity of this team in the front court. And if he's struggling, it's a lot easier to see the rest of Miami's game, especially from the perimeter on offense, not going to plan. So Norchad had 16 and 16 against Syracuse last season. He's usually good for one of those high rebounding games, but when he's off his game, things haven't gone Miami's way. UM is 10 and three in games this year where he's got seven plus boards, 
three and two in all games otherwise. So if he gets in foul trouble, that could spell disaster from Miami. They got a couple other bigs that they like to play off the bench. Michael Nuoco and AJ Casey. They haven't really established themselves, though, as a part of this rotation. The front court is quite literally as thin as it gets. So if Norchad is out of sorts, if Syracuse plans for him defensively and succeeds, I think the Orange win the game. And I'll follow up on that real quick with you, Zach. I mean, obviously, in terms of Syracuse's big man situation, um, I'm not sure you would even call it big man because (laughs) Naheem McLeod, surgery, as Autry said, post-game after Pitt, done for the year. That kind of leaves Malik Brown, and then we saw little Peter Carey against the Panthers. Obviously, Munir Hima sprinkled in there as well. But if this is really a battle down low between Brown and Omir, two relatively undersized guys for the five, how do you see sort of the agility of Brown, the Swiss Army knife, translating over against a guy like Norchad? Norchad plays big for his size, but I think it is a matchup that favors Syracuse. Like I said, Miami, in terms of defending in the paint, it's been a big-time struggle. And it's it's not even necessarily that Florida State had a bunch of bigs and they were just attacking, but they executed well and knew how to attack the rim. So I think this is a game where you could see Malik Brown have an 18 and maybe 12 or 13. And that is the winning formula for Syracuse. I think that's exactly what they need to do. Their guards, uh, whether it's JJ or Judah, need to be aggressive in attacking the rim and getting to the foul line. Because I also think this could be a game where maybe you see it turn into a little bit of a free throw competition. That's kind of what this game was like last year, if y'all remember, which was a great game down here. And a little sad that we won't get the orange uh, in South Florida this year. I, the other thing that I thought of is Nigel Pack is is small. Syracuse, yeah. I don't think, uh, has attacked enough small guards this season. But you've got two guys that are big for the point guard spot in Judah and JJ and Quadir too, because he seems to be handling the ball a decent amount. Take one of those smaller guards and get them down low. Like – I don't yeah. think we've seen much Syracuse posting up this year, but I think Judah could do it. I think Quadir could maybe do it. Put Pack down there and see if he can he can hold up. See if he'll draw a foul or two and and get out of his game because there this size advantage is is on Syracuse's side when it, it it at least comes to the one and the two depending on how much Bensley Joseph, who is not the three point shooter, if anyone plays. Yeah, he's he's Miami's better defensive guard, but I mm-hmm. I think what you said is important. Syracuse has the size advantage from a guard standpoint in this game, so it's not the end of the world if the three-point ball isn't falling from the sky from the get-go. You can attack the rim. Worst-case scenario, you get a guy like Norchad in foul trouble or you get you know other guys in that position, and so I think they have to play with that aggressive mindset. We know that's how Judah likes to play as kind of a slashing guard anyway. So I think that that matchup definitely does favor the orange. Last question, Zach, Johnny, you got one more? No, no, no. You got it in. You're good. Okay. Just a 30,000 foot view here. Um, What do you think Laranaga's timeline is? He's, he's kind of the last of the old guard here in the ACC. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Man, it's a tough thing to judge. Nobody down here wants him gone anytime soon. So if you're asking for my, I can't go inside the mind of Coach L and tell you, hmm, does he have a three or five year plan before he's going to close up shop? I uh, I wish I knew the answer to that question. I don't. Uh, but he has this team in a position where they've definitely got, a, I think, a couple more years of this kind of contender sustainability. Nobody here wants him gone anytime soon. Uh, so it's, it's really kind of his uh, his call. I think well, that I mean, for good reason, situation. he took him in the final four for crying out loud. I guess seeing his uh, long lost twin brother, Mr. Beheim, calling it quits didn't have any uh, impact on his thought process there. Seems Is a he... little. Uh, yeah. Apples to oranges. No, <laughs> no pun intended. But I think he, he's, he doesn't seem like the succession plan type of dude. It just seems like he'll he'll pull a save in one day. Just like, yeah. You know, exactly. I'm, I'm I, good. I, I agree with you. I think that we're not going to really know when it's coming because, I mean, people down here love him. Miami before Coachell really didn't have uh, any type of stability and structure in the basketball program from a head coach standpoint. Uh, so they want to ride it out with him as as long as it goes. And I know that's kind of similar to the Bayheim situation, but not really because the timelines were a little different and the team was playing a little bit different. And so I, I agree that we might, uh, we might wake up one day in the off season and be like, damn, that's it. And then uh, be scrambling. We'll see. <laughs> Zach, one more for you quick here before we let you go. Um, this is a Miami team that only has one true road win this yep. season. What's the feeling down in Coral Gables? We were talking about it earlier before we brought you on. We were talking about Pitt, about making sure you take care of business on the road, particularly with a conference that's the only way you're making the tournament down. Right. right. So is there a feeling of uneasiness? The fact that this team has yet to show an ability to, to go on the road and, and win conference games yet. Yes. I wish I could tell you no, but uh, they haven't they haven't really proven anything on the road yet this season. They played some, they played a lot of neutral site, just as a lot of ACC teams do in the non-conference, but one win on the road against Virginia tech, four point win, nail biting win. That doesn't exactly leave you with a feeling of, uh, yeah, we can go on the road and, uh, or Miami can go on the road and get a quad one win uh, being whoever it's going to be. And I do think this is a game where, uh, and it applies to every Syracuse home game, right? But if they can rely on the crowd, this is a game where two teams, the exact same record, exact same conference record, that could be the margin. That could be the difference is the fact that this game is away from home for Miami. And uh, it would be why I'm slightly leaning Syracuse uh, in this game. 
But I do think that there is an uh, unproven factor to this team and uh, unproven on the road, especially. And sub-20 temperatures, no less, too. The Hurricanes, not very used to that. Yeah. You see that question they asked Todd Bowles? I was going to say, reporter they, they do Todd play Bowles. in a dome. They are indoors. <laughs> they do play in a dome. Oh, man. that's That that was fantastic. I don't think – they better not take the freaking roof off the dome. Either way, the margins surely will be small on Saturday. Zach, we appreciate you taking the time to chat Miami with us. And uh, hope you get a good one. Probably, we'll probably get a nail butter. Yeah. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. It's uh, fun as always to chat. Drop Zach a follow, Zach Letson underscore on Twitter, and check out his work if you happen to cross an FIU or NSU broadcast. Hopefully, you'll hear his voice. That's it for us. Drop us a follow, F68 underscore Cuse on Twitter. Enjoy the game on Saturday, Syracuse and Miami at the Dome. I don't, Johnny, when is it tip off? I don't have it in front of me. Okay. Tip off is at noon. It's a noon game, an early one. Good. No more, no more nine o'clock ACC tip offs. We are starting this campaign. We're going to ride it out for the rest of the year. Oh. Noon tip, get you up bright and early and have your rest of the afternoon free. We'll see who comes out on top. All right. That's it. Have a great rest of your weekend and go orange. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.